Hello you beautiful cycling fans and welcome back to another A1 Show podcast. Today we got a busy show ahead. I'm going to talk to you about Threshold. It's a number we hear thrown around all the time but I want to talk to you guys about exactly how to set your Threshold. I think this is going to be important because as the shows roll on, you're going to hear me reference every now and then somebody's watts per kilogram, whether it's a pro rider that was in the breakaway or whether it was a local race winner. You'll hear me say, oh, he put out four watts per kilogram for the last 60 minutes or wherever it is. So today I'm just going to draw a sand in the line, uh, a line in the sand, a sand in the line, what's that? And I'm going to draw a line in the sand and just say this is the beginning of our understanding of what this term is. There's a small bit of buy-in, super easy to understand, but once you understand it, it'll become part of your vocabulary and it'll be a new way that we just communicate going forward. So that's going to be pretty cool. I'm going to bring you the sad news about debt in pro cycling. I'm going to talk a little bit about Eddie Dunbar. I'm going to give you some fake news about Froome's crash. Maybe it never happened. Uh, I'm going to talk to you about a little strategy you can use to make your week a little bit more productive called batching. I'm going to bring you some news. I mentioned in the last podcast that i had something that was going to get you guys motivated for the end of the season so i'm going to give you the first announcement of what that potentially could be and i'm going to bring you all the transfer news so it's a busy one so let's not put it off any further and jump right into it Uh, as we get started today i'm just going to mention briefly as is tradition in podcast land it's pretty cool to be able to say i am now one of the podcasters in this fabled mythical place called podcast land it doesn't really exist it just exists sort of as an abstract place podcast land it sounds cool Uh, in podcast land it's quite acceptable to shill your show sponsor at the start but since i haven't gone looking for a show sponsor and no show sponsor has come to kick down my door we are still without a show sponsor so our show sponsor is the brilliant beautiful majestic a1 coaching uh a1 coaching it's obviously my coaching company uh we founded it back in 2012 still going strong i like to think at one point we were the biggest coaching company in europe i don't know where we stand now uh haven't been keeping track of that nor do i know how you track that metric anymore but what i do know is that we've had an amazing season for our clients getting some clients promoted winning races pbs we get the best out of guys who are time crunched We're bringing the latest science because we're investing in it. And I like to think we lead the way. You know, I think there's a big copycat culture in cycling and cycling coaching. And I I see that as a big reason why there's a lack of innovation in the space. So I feel a little burden on us to innovate. And you're going to see a lot of us innovating in the coming months. So, yeah, I think if you're looking for a company that's at the cutting edge of performance, you need to look no further. Uh, also for the next week until this day next week if you're to drop me an email on info at a1coaching.net with the subject line podcast 50 i'm going to give you 50 percent off your first month of coaching so there you go it's perfect time to start thinking about next season it's the perfect time to finish this season strong and lay the foundation for next season uh, so Right, let's crack right into it. I'm not in my usual studio in Clontarf. I'm down in my home away from home, Kinsale, at the moment. Uh, So I don't have the luxury of my new podcast, Boom, which I got so excited about last week. I've got a little travel podcast set up going on. I'm sitting here with my Ballygown water. Actually, did you see that crazy, if anyone's listening in Ireland, uh, we're getting poisoned. Uh, There was arsenic in non-branded waters like your generic aldi little i probably gonna defame some place that didn't have this arsenic water but sure look that's the way we roll it was aldi little spar centra had in their generic waters and uh, there's traces of arsenic so i think it's it's something we're going to get a lot more aware about in the coming years it's toxins and pollutants and the effect that that's having on performance i'm amazed when i see know pro athletes or chat to pro athletes and just how little attention they give to stuff like skincare products shampoos you know our skin is a mouth you know there's so much emphasis on nutrition yet so little emphasis on what people are putting onto their bodies 
and also like how we're surrounding ourselves with wi-fi emfs bluetooth like that stuff fucks up your calcium gated channels promotes inflammation it's some really bad toxic shit uh it's not the subject of today's podcast it probably does merit uh, there's a good book, The Non-Tinfoil Hat-Wearing Guide to EMF, which is very good if anyone's interested in some further reading on that subject. Probably merits a podcast all on its own, uh, but it's not subject for today's podcast. Uh, today, I want to talk to you a lot at the start about knowing your numbers. So you've probably heard people talking about knowing your numbers. You've probably heard everyone from the local club rider to Bradley Wiggins in Eurosport commentary if he's reflecting back on his arrow record or Egan Bernal's performances in the Tour de France. But when people say that, what exactly are they talking about? Because it can be very confusing. So what we're talking about, it's a standardised, objective way to measure performance. So I'm going to explain to you today what your threshold is. I'm going to describe a performance test you can use to find that number. And I'm going to explain to you how to set up your unique training zones. And I've also put together a little giveaway for today. So stay at least till the end of this section and you'll find out how to get that div giveaway. So one of the overriding goals in this whole podcast, I want to give you guys the tools to go a little bit faster. You know what? It's great having a podcast to listen to and pass the time when you're out training or when you're commuting. But I hate listening to stuff for the sake of listening to stuff. I want to give you guys a tangible benefit from listening to this podcast. So I am going to make you guys faster. So our listeners are going to be a little bit faster from listening to this podcast. And today it's it's one of those building blocks that we're going to build on in the future. But our understanding this concept is key to our development as an athlete. It's key to being time efficient and it's key to smart training. So what is threshold? This is... A metric that we use a lot of people you'll hear them using average speed and it, that's a horrible metric for measuring stuff because average speed it's you know where you're talking about average speed going uphill downhill what was the terrain like say i've done a two-hour odd loop yesterday around kinsale i think the average speed was only maybe 25 26k an hour i rode it quite hard undulating little loop and it was very windy I rode that quite hard, close to full for two hours. And it's such a low average speed. Uh, can I compare that and say I'm going worse than I was when I was riding at home? Going full two weeks ago, I'm averaging 36, 37k an hour. No, it's not a, it's not a like for like comparison. So we use something called threshold as the variable. So you'll hear people using all sorts of different terms. FTP, that just stands for functional threshold power. We just say threshold uh, for shorthand. And what it is, it's a maximum effort that you can sustain over one hour. So any effort beyond that, the body is no longer able to process the lactate and the body just starts to slow down. So threshold, it's a key indicator of our fitness levels. Uh, So just as I go through this, I just want to say to you, some of the stuff I'm saying, it may sound a little daunting, but you will get to grips with this. And the amount of time that it's going to take you to get to grips with this, it's absolutely minimum. You listen to this once, you'll probably have it. If I make a balls of explaining it to you in a very clear fashion, maybe you'll need to listen to this twice and you will have the concept down. And that's a very small investment of time compared to how much time this is going to tr save you. Uh, training wise so it's really worth sticking with it in my experience the biggest boost that i see riders getting it's adherence to this zonal training so with a little perseverance and a little bit of doggedness you're going to be talking this new language and when i'm talking about bernal's watts per kilos up to finish and climb you're going to know exactly what i was talking about okay so there's a load of different ways that you can get threshold done we used to offer lactate thresholds in the A1 office. We discontinued it and we don't offer it anymore. We go out to a lot of clubs around Ireland in the winter and we do lactate testing. You can also go into some of the universities. Uh, Trinity, uh, I think, do it and UCD also do it. I don't advocate getting lab testing done to our clients. Uh, I just think it's quite expensive and I, I've just found that athletes perform different under lab conditions and i know personally i always perform very different under lab conditions you know day to day out trying you're used to putting your kit on getting out in the wind 
feel of the road, all that type of thing. And then you're going into a lab, kind of smells like a hospital. You're putting a mask on, you're using a bike that isn't yours. Maybe you don't like needles like me and you're getting kind of prodded with needles and pricked. Your heart rate's elevated. And for me, they're saying it's more accurate because it's a controlled environment. But all those variables, it becomes not a controlled environment. And (laughs) if anyone can hear, they all Angela's bells and the church ringing in the background. Uh, So I think it's not a controlled environment. So for that reason, uh, I advocate riders getting out on the road and self-testing so i'm gonna go through what that protocol is in a moment by protocol i just mean the way of doing things because the way we do things when we're doing this it's like a science experiment consistency is important so we want to try and replicate the same conditions each time we do this test we're gonna repeat this test over uh like periodically so I'll, I'll talk to you in a moment about that. It's potentially every six weeks, depending on where you are, you're at in your training block. But we want to try and keep it consistent. So if you do it on a Saturday, normally try and do it on a Saturday. And if you do it in the morning versus the evening, you know, the type of meal you have before, try and control as many of those variables as you can. And you're going to get the best, you're going to get the best results out of that. So when and where? Uh, so as I said, when you test is very important. And, but what I mean by that is not when in the day, which I just covered, but that also is important, but also where in your block. So I'd normally say, you know, if you test at the end of a heavy training block, you're going to be quite fatigued. But what a heavy training block is very subjective. You know, is a heavy training block a load of sprint training? Is a load of threshold training? It, it, hard to know. Uh and consistency in that's going to be difficult to repeat so what we normally do is we do it after a recovery period so we normally have you know a three-week block a one-week recovery and then we'll do it at the end of the recovery period and again that's just so you're fresh and you can get the best effort out possible so you want to pick a route for this where you have no interruptions no traffic lights no roundabouts and ideally a slight uphill gradient like i have my climb anyone that's listening in dublin or wicklow i do it up stocking lane and there's a car park up at about it's a bit more than half well depending how well you're going it's a bit more than halfway i think if you're going well it's like 12 13 minutes or something to the car park and uh but you can push past the car park onto more of a false flat section but it's possible to keep the power down all the way uh for that 20 minute effort uh if you can't if you're down the country somewhere and you don't have access to mountains or you're you know abroad in the flatlands i was based in toronto for a long time i didn't have access to you know a hill i know we coach a lot of clients out in qatar and uh in doha and also clients in dubai and there's not a lot of climbs that are long enough so you're picking basically a time trial route where you can have even application of power without any interruptions for a 20 minute period if you're doing it with power and a 30 minute period if you're doing it with heart rate and i'm going to talk to you about that now so why we test for these 20 and 30 minute periods it threshold is it's a one hour effort but a one hour effort we want it to be repeatable and one hour effort would just be toxically hard to motivate yourself to get that full hour done so what we came up with when i say we the scientific training can i class myself as part of that the coaching fraternity uh i'm not sure who first came up with it i first read about it in joe Friel's cyclist training bible back in the day uh, and it seems it's it's still industry standard uh, it's very difficult to motivate yourself to get that full hour done so if you're using heart rate what we done was a 25 minute test uh, some people say 30 i've been pushing for 25 and what you do is you get out you do your 25 minute test we discount the first five minutes of that test because heart rate has a little inherent lag built into it so i know some of the authors say it's you discount the first 10 minutes for the lag but for me that's a bit much and then what always happened with clients was because they knew they were discounting the first 10 minutes they wouldn't go quite hard enough and then you'd still get that lag so by telling them to do 25 minutes full out i think it's a more accurate result 
So you're going to do that 25 minutes full out. You're going to discount the first five minutes of the test and you're going to get the last 20 minutes and we're going to analyze that on a software called Training Peaks. That's a free download. Go and download it. Pin your file up there. Get your last 20 minutes. Get an average of your last 20 minutes. And that is going to be the figure that you're going to use. Uh, and I'm going to tell you how you're going to use that in one moment. And if you're doing a, a power meter, you're going to do 20 minutes and you're going to take an average of the 20 minutes. And that's your figure you're going to use. You don't need to discount the first five minutes if you're on heart, if you're on power. The reason being heart rate has that lag built onto it. Like So think about if you have a heart rate monitor on, get up, sprint across the room. Your heart rate's like 60 or whatever when you're sitting here sprint across the room you get to the far side it's probably still going to be 60 then when you stop it's going to go 70 80 90 so effort takes a little bit to catch up it's just that little bit of a lag built into heart rate so before you get out and do that test what we try and get clients to do you get do about a 15 minute warm-up and then i try and get them to do a three minute tt style effort so three minutes you know, as if you're doing a three kilometer pursuit as hard as you can and that's just to open you out and then you're going to do five minutes easy and then you do your actual test so 15 minute normal warm-up then you're going to do three minutes like a three minute uh, pursuit and then you're going to do five minutes easy and then into your uh, test and that way you, if you standardize that protocol and you do it every single time the results are going to be that bit more accurate so once you have that figure if it's your 20 minutes uh, power figure or your 25 minutes discounting your first five what you're going to do is you're going to take five percent off that and this deduction this deduction estimates exactly what we would have been able to do if we went for the full hour so for example if you got 270 watts uh, that's right let me see this 270 watts multiplied by 0.95 256 thereabouts quick maths 256 it's giving you a threshold as or if you hit like 170 beats, you're going to multiply that by 95%. So you have 161 odd beats is going to be your threshold. Okay, so you're going to get that number and that's your new threshold number. Okay, that's important. So that's the new threshold number we talk about. And when we talk about watts per kilogram for threshold, we talk about your 270 threshold number that we've given you divided by your watts and kilograms and that's your watts per kilograms watts per kilos ratio so in future episodes you're going to hear me talking about bernal x watts per kilogram up a climb and you're going to be able to reference that multiply by your weight and go holy shit i would have needed to hold 790 watts for an hour to hold bernal up that last climb it gets depressing so once you have that threshold number what you need to do is in the show notes down below i have a link click on that link that's going to ask you to put in your email and your name pop that in and i'm going to email you automatically i have a little autoresponder thing set up it's going to automatically email you a threshold calculator this is my gift to you when i'm down here in kinsale everyone thinks i'm why i'm not training it's because i'm building you a threshold calculator all day that's why i wasn't training so i've built a little threshold calculator in excel spreadsheet so get your number, ping it in there, and that's going to spit you out a bunch of zones. And now we're starting to train mindfully. So now we know why we're training. Each one of these zones has an associated physiological benefit. So for example, if we're training at less than 55% of our threshold figure, we're in recovery pace. So recovery pace it should feel very easy it should feel like difficulty is very low it should almost feel like you're wasting time in that zone but the benefits in that zone then are we're recovering from previous hard exertions we're priming our body for sessions to come we're getting blood flowing we're clearing waste products there's a host of benefits and only in that zone will we get those benefits so if we go to 55 to 74 percent this is all in the spreadsheet so you don't need to take it down if we go to 55 to 74 percent of that threshold figure we're moving into aerobic endurance zone so that's a steady pace that you'd be able to ride at for between two and four hours without putting yourself under pressure so in that zone we're starting to build mitochondria that's it's the powerhouse for endurance and 
so on and so forth like all the way up to our you know zone six which is our vo2 max it's extremely short maximum efforts that you can only hold for a few seconds and that's about 120 percent of your functional threshold power so once you start understand these you start to understand how the body works and you'll start to understand how we get fitter how we can target events you know if we're targeting a criterium we start figuring out going okay well now we're not just going to go out the door and randomly train and hope to do well in our criterium we're going to break down the demands of our criterium we're going to say okay well we've got 110 second sprints to do okay so if i want to improve my sprint what zone do i need to be in and you can look across your calculator and you can say okay i need to spend time in this zone so this is the first building block of building a successful training plan when we have clients coming in the door this is our starting point i like to use that analogy of a gps with clients when you jump into the car with your gps it wants to know two things where are you right now and where are you going where are you right now is your threshold test and where you're going is your goals so we'll cover goals in a later podcast we actually you know what we'll do it in the next podcast we'll cover goal setting and these this podcast and the next podcast then will form two real foundational podcasts that we're going to reference back to and you know this podcast it's it's going to give you the tools it's going to equip you with those tools to understand your body more it's going to equip equip you with the tools to really excel and every minute like you know i muck about and i trade cryptocurrencies uh, have been for a few years and one of the things that we're always looking at it's it's return on investment you know if i'm if i'm risking x amount what's my potential upside so if your risk if your risk here is six hours a week seven hours a week that you're putting into training you need to be getting an roi on that you need to be getting a return on that training investment and that return on your training investment it's progress and progress isn't random progress isn't hoped for progress it's definite it's measured that's why when someone comes to us and they ask about the progress of our clients it's not me just vaguely going yeah our clients are progressing i have hard data i know exactly we had client x came in and he had two this is an actual real case he came in and he had a threshold of 220 watts we work with him for six months and he has a threshold of 290 watts you know he's made a 70 watt gain over the course of that six month period that's tangible progress and we can see that that's the difference between a client going from kind of you know a4 up to a2 type thing at his weight so it's huge so this stuff is really important i know i threw a lot a lot at you guys there and it might seem like oh my god this podcast was really light and it's all of a sudden become science class so take a deep deep exhale woosa that shit that was heavy that was heavy uh, it doesn't come easy it didn't come easy to me at the start and it still doesn't come easy to me i i love performance and i love the science of cycling and that's why i dive deep into it but it's not something that intuitively comes too easy for me i had to work at it when i got started i really did and especially when someone's explaining stuff to me now i just keep asking the questions that the dumb question it's the real lawyer thing in me like you're trying to explain something to the person on the jury who has the slowest comprehension skills so you want to keep asking the question can you clarify exactly what you mean by that and that's what i'm doing when i'm talking to our sports scientists all the time and i'm having interviews and uh, podcast interviews with people i'm just constantly asking the questions to break it down okay hopefully you guys will take the plunge know your numbers comment underneath on any of the show if it's you know if it's up on facebook or youtube uh feel free to comment on it you know hopefully you guys are downloading on podcasts if you are listening on youtube or facebook i would encourage you to download it on podcast and take it with you when you're out training because that's really where it's meant to be enjoyed out training and that's uh that's the real goal with this it's meant to be passive entertainment okay we're gonna switch gear for a second guys very sad event yesterday in the tour of polonia uh, we had 22 year old belgian cyclist uh, Bjorg lambrecht and he looked destined for a fabulous career and he sadly passed away yesterday following a crash in the tour of poland 
uh, tragic news and you know when I see stuff like this or Walter Whalen a couple of years a couple of years ago in the Giro d'Italia crash it, it highlights to me just how dangerous our sport is and how transient our existence can be you know I, I never take it for granted that I can get out and ride my bike you know I've had good friends who have been hit by cars out training uh, thankfully they're all right but they can no longer ride their bike and it's such a blessing and it's a privilege to be able to get out and ride our bike uh, yeah I, I definitely don't take it for granted but when stuff like this comes along it just highlights all the more how dangerous our sport is and uh, I don't think it's the time for a blame game or quite yet or a post-mortem as to how the crash happened or why it happened or the medical treatments more just a time for the cycling community to come together and you know celebrate what was an amazing career uh, for Bjork and also just you know collectively grieve together you know he was a young talent he's 22 he's a kid like he's an absolute kid and he's already showed massive promise like he was sixth in Amstel gold this year he was fourth in flesh Wallone. he was 12th in the criterium the dauphine uh, winning the young rider classification he was second in the u23 world road race championships last year uh he's he's, he's won the under 23 Lies baston liege he was second behind bernal in the tour l'avenir he had a glistening career ahead of him and no doubt you know along with evan paul and bernal and van der Poel, he was going to be one of the bright stars of our sport uh in the future so when you're riding next ride or if you're out riding now you know just pause this for a second and just think about you know how lucky we are to enjoy this sport but also be aware of how dangerous it is and uh yeah take a second to remember uh bjork Rest in peace, lad. Rest in peace. Uh, okay, that yeah, it's it was a it was a shocking, shocking uh, news yesterday. But we're gonna park it there and we're gonna move on. Uh, I want to talk to you about Eddie Dunbar. Eddie Dunbar is we all know Eddie. He's a crazy mercurial talent and one of the nicest guys in our cycle and I'd love to get Eddie on as a guest uh, one of the times uh, he dropped his chain apparently the other day so I was wondering uh, where he went when Evan Paul was raiding to glory but Eddie dropped his chain and you know it robbed him but Eddie so far this season he's been sixth in the Tour alone he's been second in the National TT in road race uh, he's been fifth in the route octane 22nd in the Giro d'Italia and third in the Tour of Yorkshire the big one you'd have to say the big one is coming for Eddie soon it's he seems to be putting together a lot of the pieces and Ineos seem to be backing him so it's it's pretty exciting times for Irish fans you know with Dan hasn't been able to piece together this season he's got the weird energy drink crisis thing going on at UAE uh, hopefully they get to the bottom of that because he still has some great years ahead Rochi had a good cheer I thought or a good tour I thought I'm not sure if he's down to ride the Vuelta, but Dunbar, along with Bennett, looks our best chances of big results at the moment. Uh, speaking of Bennett, I was going to cover this one at the end, but sure, we'll cover it now. Uh, Viviani looks like it's confirmed that he is on the move from Quickstep. So, that's opening the door for Bennett. Uh, I would love to see Sam there into the Wolfpack. You know, Sam in a team with Alaphilippe. Um, the lead-out train looks pretty good. Viviani just couldn't really... I know he won a stage in the tour, but he just couldn't really pull it together. He had a disappointing Giro. Um, Sam, does he love the underdog tag at Bora? And I'm not sure. Can he step up to being the top dog? He has Ankerman and Sagan, obviously, at Bora. Uh I would think Sam's a guy who's always stepped up and who's always responded well to pressure. So, yeah, I would love to see him getting the chance and I'd love to see him smashing it at a quick step. So, fingers crossed that happens. Uh, Froome. I talked in the last show about Froome and his crash. I was noticing a lot of stuff knocking around social media about Froome and people are saying the crash is faked 
now that's like i love a conspiracy theory as much as the next man but for me that's a conspiracy theory too far i just don't see the point i don't see it just seems way 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 left field of bizarre i know there's a lot of ineos haters out there i'm not one of ineos haters i generally do root for the underdog and that's why at times i've been critical of ineos and cheering uh, alaphilippe on especially during the tour but i i like Froome, i like thomas i like a lot of the guys at ineos i just don't see this story having any legs that the Froome crash is faked people are posting pictures of a previous crash of his and showing the wounds that he has now aren't actually new wounds that they're the same wounds as he always had you know i don't buy it yeah i'm i'm partial to a good uh conspiracy theory myself from time to time i'm actually reading a good book at the moment confessions of a new economic hitman uh it yeah it's a good old read if you're looking for something to get your teeth into it's about a guide's idea that there's kind of a well not an idea it's this guy's claim it's a factual story where he's a u.s operative who goes around to developing countries and through combinations of bribery extortion you know placing industry in the country he gets together you know countries who are he, he's trying to group together countries to back u.s interests and if a country gets on board and is politically friendly to the u.s you know he has power to bring industry there to bring jobs if he doesn't succeed in that the next step up from him is uh, he calls it a jackal, a CIA-backed assassination dude who goes in and he takes out politicians and leaders until they get a regime that is friendly. And if that doesn't work, the third and final prong at our three-pronged attack is military action. Well worth reading. Interesting account of the last 20 years and a lot of the wars in Afghanistan and Iraq and a lot of good... Uh, a lot of good evidence that he's presented as well in his footnote so it's an interesting one if you're looking for something an audible download for the bike it's a it's an interesting one i want to talk to you guys about a concept called batching but i can't say batch without thinking of batch bread you can't beat an old batch bread fried egg few rashers on a batch bread tell you that's a solid recovery meal for you uh anyone who's not irish won't know what i'm talking about there uh, the idea of batching or organizing a bunch of tasks into one we're, we're constantly trying to get the best out of our athletes our athletes are time crunched and as anyone who rides the bike competitively knows or even leisure events with any consistency it's super super important to be organized and we've all known that athlete or friend who has loads of potential but just can't get organized and it becomes almost a reason why they walk away from the sport so there's certain things we need to do with cycling you know washing kit maintaining the bike you know planning train and uh, planning events planning travel around events these type of things and if we let them task creep they will occupy like what's the old saying a task will expand to the time allocated to it this sort of stuff will creep creep and creep and eventually we'll just start kind of thinking you know there's too much time going into this cycling it's it's too time consuming but if we were just a little bit smarter and a little bit more forward planning so this is something we try and talk to our clients at the outset and we try and get them to look at their weekly schedule and make adjustments about it think about it this way so if you had a bunch of dirty laundry every time you had a dirty pair of socks a dirty t-shirt you wouldn't put a wash on you because you have an efficiency cost there it's an allocation of time you know it's the time it takes you to bring the clothes down put them into the washing machine get to the torch and throw it in instead you wait until you have a bunch of clothes ready to wash it's more efficient to wash a full bunch of clothes in one go exact same way if you had to go to the post office because you'd have letter to post you wouldn't go one letter because you have to drive to the post office you have to take time out to get there uh you would wait until you had a bunch of letters to post and then you would drive to the post office it's efficient and effective allocation of you know our most precious resource time so it's that cost of task switching if you're at home and you're working on your novel you're working on your music you're sending emails whatever you do for work 
it's the cost of you stopping that task, getting into your car, driving to the post office, getting the stamps, posting them, getting back in your car, getting back home and getting back onto your task and getting refocused on that task. That task switching costs us energy. So what we want to do is we want to batch activities. So we wait until we have that bunch of uh, the bunch of letters and then we go to the post office and that's a much more efficient way to do it. So just two things we, we try and say to clients, two ways this can be effective for them. There's the the two like you've got right. So I'm just trying to think of the best way to say it because there's a number of ways it applies because it applies to their practicality day to day. If you train like we're going to take uh, for this example, we're going to take a normal dude who works Monday to Friday, weekends off, family, kids, because I think that's our typical client that represents a lot of our listeners here and you can substitute working for college if you're not a work guy or you know family for a girlfriend but typically we're seeing clients training or we're prescribing training tuesday wednesday thursday with monday friday rest days now tuesday wednesday thursday it could be short sessions some days it could be active recovery sessions we're not going to get into that right now but it's important is you're in your kit and you're doing something tuesday wednesday thursday saturday sunday so on a Monday, you're on a day off. So we need to batch some of our cycling activities. We've a lot of mental energy going into training during the week. We've Monday off. Let's batch a shit ton of our cycling activities on a Monday. Let's get all our kit for the week washed on a Monday. Likewise, if we've bike maintenance to do, bike washing to do, fixing all tubulars to do, bike to be dropped off the bike shop, get it done on a Friday. And batch all those tasks so you don't find yourself every night of the week washing cycling kit if you don't find yourself every night of the week pulling out the bike and working on the bike, that's one way you can batch it. Another way you can batch things, which I like to recommend to clients who are commuting to work, you drive to work or you get the bus to work or you take your electric scooter to work or whatever you do on a Monday and you bring in as much as possible your lunch, your healthy lunches for the week. You know, If you're bringing in tinned foods and the like, you bring in your clean clothes for the week, you bring in your towels for the week, you bring in your... Uh, shower gels whatever you need to all that stuff for the week that needs to be transported goes on a monday then you can ride into work tuesday wednesday thursday on the friday you bring home all the dirty shit and it's just it's a beautiful way of segmenting the week also if we're looking at productivity when we're off on the weekend or for self-employed you know for me on this a1 gig you can very easily find yourself all day refreshing emails all day checking social media stuff all day on the phone talking to clients so what i try and do is i batch things so i know that my most productive hours are up until lunchtime so from the moment i wake up until lunchtime i like to think of this as my creation period so if i have blogs to write if i have podcasts to record this is the time when my brain is most active this is the time when the neural pathways are really foreign and my creative pathways are really foreign. So I try and get my creative stuff done until lunch. Lunch becomes a very natural break then for me. Then my, you know, my enthusiasm, my motivation, it's dwindled a little bit. I can still perform menial tasks which don't require as much brain power after lunch. That's like phone calls, that's emails, that's social media stuff. But I don't need to be on social media every 15 or 20 minutes. Like, And also the same with text messages, phone calls, emails. There's no expectation that you reply to that stuff immediately. You don't need to check your phone every 15 minutes. The internet will still be working if you leave it for six hours and you come back to it later. You can reply to 20 text messages in one go. You can reply to 20 emails in one go. You don't need to reply to them all day. And thinking about what how your your work day is you know what what's required of you in work and batching those tasks accordingly putting them into buckets and for me as well i'll even subdivide and i'll put in different buckets i'll say okay podcasts from now on today's a tuesday because it's a bank holiday but now podcasts from now on are going to drop on monday and friday youtube is going to drop on wednesday you can start easily putting stuff into buckets and it's it breaks up your work week a lot nicer and it also maximizes your creative potential and it gets the best out of you and it helps you just operate in a more efficient and effective manner 
if you step back and you look at the types of sessions you have planned for the week and we're going to dive into what types of sessions we talked about with your threshold calculator and knowing exactly what you're doing so we're going to start talking going forward in zones and if you have a zone four or zone five session to be doing that's not the best day to be looking at getting creative stuff done after that or if you have a super busy day say you're in construction and you know you're putting up scaffolding or something really labor intensive and you're planning a session after work that's the day to start saying i'm going to do an active recovery i'm going to do an endurance day i'm going to do a core day that's not the day to start saying i'm going to get my 12 by one minute full gas efforts done that day you just won't have there's there's two aspects to it there's the mental motivation and then there's the fueling of it and they're two different challenges but it's just not the best way to do it so hopefully you can get something out of that batching because it's a super powerful concept uh that i use uh i talked to you this podcast is full on isn't it it's full gas on this one uh, i thought it was going to be a nice light podcast when i sat down to write this sort of show outline there's a lot goes into these podcasts uh like i'm committing to getting you guys to two podcasts a week the monday and friday going forward so uh this week's obviously the bank holiday so i'm dropping it on tuesday there'll be another one this friday and then we'll get back to the monday friday schedule it takes the guts of a day research and recording and i'd say almost another three four hours editing to get this stuff out so it's a day and a half nearly to get one of these podcasts out. it's quite the ordeal uh a lot more than i anticipated when i started doing them but really enjoying them and the feedback's been absolutely amazing and you know it's it's so much noted and it's appreciated when i see you guys sharing stuff around facebook and uh you know giving positive encouragement on it because as i say when you're doing this stuff you know i'm sitting down here in kinsale at the moment recording this podcast i'm very much in a vacuum doing i was in a cafe earlier on researching the podcast and a couple of guys wearing cycling kit came in and who knows maybe their podcast listeners of the show i don't know but i'm sure they'd no idea who i was and that i was sitting in the corner researching the a1 show so quite a lot goes into it so at the moment you know it's it's not a it's not something for monetary gain at the moment hopefully it grows and we get show sponsors and patrons and all that thing down the line to keep me doing it uh but at the moment i'm just i'm i'm thriving i'm living off that positive feedback i'm getting off you guys actually i'm going to go through a couple of the a couple of the comments from last week's show we talked about uh the group ride last week so i want to read out some of the comments actually you can start if you're on twitter uh, or facebook you can start hashtagging the a1 podcast and we'll keep it as a searchable uh thread uh, for your comments on the various podcasts especially on the threshold on the main topic of the day i suppose is the main one i want to hear about but anything really last day we talked about the group ride so sean lally uh came in a legend of the sports uh sean lally jr but both of them are kind of legends in the sport father and junior in ireland anyway so sean lally said great podcast anto uh regarding group riding there's some absolute madness that appears to be creeping into the sport some new clubs for whatever reason decide that you are allowed to ride with them for tr- allowed in inverted commas to ride them with them for three spins but after that you have to join the club what the fuck have they got some great training secret you only get with a special handshake after three rides? Are they worried that strangers might dilute their gene pool? What's wrong with welcoming members from other clubs? I've actually have no idea. I don't know what that rule is about. It's a crazy rule. Like, why can I rock up in any other country to a group ride and I can ride with them week in and week out? Or why can't two clubs merge together for a ride? It seems a completely artificial barrier. It's i don't know why i just always accepted that was the way i know clontarf's my local club and i don't ride with them because yeah that's the reason i think i went up once or twice and they're like oh yeah three spins and you need to join the club and which is weird like i i know myself and sean mckenna and colin cassidy like uh we had a training group which was going out of clontarf every day for for years we rode, rode out of there and you know we treated more prominent cyclists in the country at the time and Clontarf Cycling Club was meeting around the corner and we never rode at them and they never asked us to ride at them. It's a weird kind of us and them mentality that some places foster. So I'm not sure what that's about. I would assume it's an insurance thing. But again, I don't know. I'm just kind of guessing. It seems like a barrier that's gone up there with no 
good reason if I was to guess. Uh, yeah, good question. Uh, yeah, some other, got through some other comments or some other comments uh, that are coming in. So Shay Davern just said, uh, good podcast. Uh, Garrett Rogers, great content. Really enjoyed that. Uh, Keith Lawler said, I joined Swords in March this year and it's been excellent and I've learned something new on every club spin. I never once been left behind. They're a great group of four different spins, all levels on a Saturday. That's great stuff, Keith, because I know that was the club I was talking about when I said I got started and I had an amazing experience. Uh, Swords was brilliant to me when I was getting started. So they were all comments on uh, Facebook. There's a bunch more there. And there's also a load on YouTube as well. So I'm going to just go through a few of them. Froome Dog is the man. Tour de France. was never the same without him. That's from Chris. Uh, JD said, What makes uh, the victory in San Sebastian for Evan Paul even more remarkable is he's just started bike racing in April 2017. Up until then, he's playing football PSV Eindhoven. That's pretty sensational. Uh, Chris Christy Dolan says Armstrong's podcast is very good even better was Johan Brunels I didn't listen to Johan Brunels I must check it out uh, Slave to the System said a group ride is dying and every second lad has a coach and is on a program that is true that is true my friend and I think that's just where smart coaching comes in it's where you know there's a lot of cowboys out there it's wild western coaching country and uh, yeah, the group ride, as I said, it's, you know, maybe I'm a romantic and, uh, you know, I love the history of the sport and I really appreciate that role group ride plays in the sport. So I think it's so important. It's, you can't work on the physiology of an athlete through a training plan and completely discount the technique, tactics, everything you learn from a group ride. I think they're two sides to the same coin. Both need to be nurtured. So, you know, coaches need to be understanding of this, and a coach who's failing to appreciate that, uh, I think, is a coach who needs to question his philosophy. I think you need to set aside and protect time for a group ride. It doesn't have to be every week, but from time to time, it's important to dip in. And when you're at the group ride, you should be at the group ride. Uh, yeah, people just need. Sometimes they just find it hard to put down the numbers and the Strava and the segments, and you know, I, I don't know coach and he said if you're sprinting for an imaginary finish line for a non-existent prize in the middle of nowhere against yourself you need your fucking head examined <laughs> i think that kind of sums strava up well uh i mentioned on the last podcast and the one before that i was gonna start racking my brains about a way to try and you know galvanize us as a community and try and finish the season strong because you know we don't like that oh winter is coming brigade and fucking game of thrones memes knocking around winter here before you know it it's still like it's august bank holiday weekend is just gone we've still amazing weather like here in kinsale the sun is beating down at the moment uh so i'm gonna put together i'm gonna pull my finger out and i'm gonna try and get it done this week for a launch early next week an eight week challenge so an eight-week challenge is going to challenge us to stay on point for eight weeks. The goal at the end of the eight weeks could be an event that you pick for yourself. At the end of the eight weeks, it could be a performance target, like you test threshold now, you retest then, and you're hoping for X improvement. But I'm going to build in something as well, because the daily ritual section uh, that we talked about last day, it's very powerful for creating momentum. So I'm going to build in some daily rituals around movement, around light, and a bunch of this stuff i'm going to build in a little bit of weight because over eight weeks you know you'll feel so much better if you're a kilo or two kilos down you know just how we metabolize energy is very different as well when we start shedding a little bit of weight you know our acceleration improves everything improves when we start shedding a little bit of weight so i'm going to put together some sort of eight week challenge and i'm really looking forward to it because i'm looking forward to it as i said because a lot of this stuff I'm creating it for me as much as I'm creating it for you. So an eight-week challenge I'm going to put together. I'm going to get the head down and I'm going to try and work on it this week. I've no internet down here. I've no internet in the house in Kinsale. I don't come down that often, so we don't have internet down here. Uh, so I normally have it on my phone and I'm with, I'm with Virgin. Unlimited, excuse me, unlimited data with Virgin. And I got a text off them saying my unlimited data has... I've exceeded my fair usage amount on my data. 
So the unlimited isn't unlimited. It's unlimited with an asterisk from Virgin. I've exceeded my fair usage. So I chatted to the good people at Virgin. Good people used very loosely there. And I'm like, yeah, I need my data back. So uh, I'm willing to pay. Just let me know what I need to do to get extra data here. And they're like, you can't get extra data until the 19th of the month when it resets. I'm like, no, like I'm happy to pay here. Just let me know what I need to pay because I need my data back because I can't even send a WhatsApp without it. And they're like, no, nothing you can do. So I was saying, okay, to summarize, I'm a customer who wants to give you money and you're a business who's refusing to take my money. So absolutely bizarre. So yeah, I'm dataless at the moment. I'm not sure how I went on that rant, but it's just something that's annoying me at the moment. So this will be my little soapbox for things to annoy me at the moment. What, I think it was a family guy that had a what grinds my gear section. Yeah, that could be my what grinds my gear section. Um, drop me podcast recommendations that you guys are listening to as well. It doesn't even have to be cycling podcasts. Uh, some good podcasts I'm listening to at the moment. I like Sam Harris, the Waking Up podcast. Obviously, the Joe Rogan experience is a classic. Blind Boys one isn't bad. Uh, what else? Cycling ones is the Cycling Podcast. Uh, the cycling niche is poor on podcasts, I have to say. Uh, that's why I'm I'm pretty sure we're going to absolutely dominate with your help. We're going to blast into that category because there's just not a lot there at the moment. When you contrast it to YouTube and how many YouTube vloggers are just killing it, like it's hard to make a mark in the YouTube vlogging section if you're in that cycling niche. But podcasts, pretty poor selection out there at the moment. So yeah, whatever podcast you're listening to at the moment, definitely ping me somewhere Instagram. We're in all the... We're in all the cool places, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, Facebook, uh, Facebook groups, all that type of good stuff. Uh, guys, I hope you enjoyed the show today. We had a fairly action-packed show. Sorry if the first bit was a little bit confusing. It's it's something that doesn't naturally flow that well, and it doesn't naturally flow that well off my tongue. And I know if it's the first time you're hearing a lot of these concepts, it probably wasn't that well received to your ear either so if that's the case and it sounded a little bit waffly trust me if you go back and you listen to it a second time the concepts that sound foreign will start to make sense and this sort of new vocabulary like once you listen to it a few times it will become normalized and next time you hear me talking about what's per kilogram threshold you'll understand what's going on and you'll be able to communicate in this language with your friends so, guys, that has been the A1 Show podcast from Kinsale, County Cork. It's Tuesday, uh, and I will be back to you on Friday for the next one. So, as I said, at the moment, we don't have a show sponsor. Uh, but what I would do, and I would appreciate in lieu of me shilling someone, is if you can tell friends, subscribe to the show, rate the show, leave reviews on iTunes and just generally start to light a fire up under this bitch. Okay, guys, catch you later. It's been a pleasure.